Well, together with Pastor Mike, I welcome you to worship and pray that you are having a good Thanksgiving weekend. I now invite you to open your Bibles or one of the pew Bibles to the book of Titus chapter 2, where we will begin reading at verse 11. And if you're following this in the pew Bible, it's on page 998. Now, as we prepare to hear God's word, I remind you that Titus was written by Paul as a pastoral letter to his associate who was laboring to build God's church on the island of Crete. Paul had one grand, compelling message to deliver to Titus. He was trying to paint a picture of the grace of God and the certain companion of hope demonstrated in the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ for all of life. Now, on this first Sunday of Advent, in which we anticipate the coming of Jesus Christ yesterday, today, and tomorrow, we'll ponder our confident hope in Jesus Christ. And with biblical trust in our God and Savior, we'll see hope as a certain confidence that comes with knowing what God has promised us in His Word through the Lord Jesus Christ. Our hope is confident because... Uh, It is founded upon the rock of our salvation, the Lord Jesus Christ. The deity and redemptive work of Christ are beautifully affirmed in the verses before us. And Paul presents the second coming of Christ in glory as an incentive to holy living. You know, I really do appreciate the Advent season and suggest that these four verses are an important text for the season that we begin today. So please now hear the reading of God's word. This is Titus 2, verses 11 to 14. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness, to purify for himself a people for his own possession, who are zealous for good works. Please join me in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, as we come before you with our burdens and our joys, we pray that for a moment you would unburden our hearts to focus upon the things of greatest importance that you have given to us in Jesus Christ. O come, Holy Spirit, and make known to us the meaning of these great words. Write them upon our hearts, for we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, as a great Advent and Christmas passage, the verses before us say nothing of angels or shepherds or Mary and Joseph and their long journey to the little town of Bethlehem. They don't mention a little babe being born and wrapped in swaddling cloths and laid in a manger. None of these things are mentioned in this passage. Yet, if you recall what the word Advent means, you will see how Titus 2, verses 11 to 14, how they it becomes a very exciting Advent text. Now, Advent, the word itself means coming. The entire Old Testament was used by God to prepare His people for the coming or Advent of the Messiah as a child born to set His people free. 
For the coming or arrival of Jesus, though, has a threefold meaning of Advent as we see the history of the church unfold. First, there's the Advent of our Lord in the flesh at Bethlehem on the first Christmas some 2,000 years ago today. Second, there's the advent of the Lord by His Word and Spirit here and now. And third, there's the advent of the Lord when He shall visibly return in glory at the end of the present age in which we live. Now the theme that runs throughout the Advent season is thanksgiving and praise for what God has already accomplished, joy in what God is presently doing, and hopeful anticipation of what God will fulfill. And thankfully, these verses from Titus 2 reflects all three of these Advent perspectives well, as we seek to to find encouragement for confident hope in our God and Savior. For first of all, we rest in Christ's past appearing for redeemed life. That's verse 11. Then we reflect on Christ's present renewal for godly life. That's verse 12. And then we rejoice in Christ's future coming for resilient life. That is verses 13 to 14. For we know that our confident hope in Jesus Christ, we know that we must embrace an intimate relationship with the very one who came, who died, who rose again for our salvation, with the one who one day will come back for us in glory. So let's begin our consideration, though, with our first point in verse 11, that we know today to rest in Christ's past appearing for redeemed life. Verse 11 captures the essence of Advent and the gospel in one little sentence. Please listen. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people. Well, what is or who is the grace of God that has appeared? Well, it's straightforward. He is the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, what does the grace of God offer? It offers to us through Jesus Christ an offer of himself in intimate relationship with him in which we experience his love and know what it is to have confident biblical hope through him. We may ask the question, what is the special character of biblical hope? And the answer is it's a confident expectation of good things yet to come. That's why Hebrews calls it the full assurance of our hope in Jesus Christ in chapter 11. And then a related question that is very important, though, for you and for me. How can sinners like you and me be confident that a holy God will work for us and make our future bright? And the answer is, is that we know to look back and we know to hold on to today and look forward to two great blessings expressed in these verses. And those blessings are the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, the grace of God and the good news of Christ crucified, dead and buried for the forgiveness of sin and raised from the dead for our salvation are the reasons that sinners like you and me have hope. We have hope in a living God with confident expectation that the future will be good for us because what Jesus has done for us in the past is secure. In a darkened world, dark because of wickedness and sin, God sends the light of His love expressed in a baby born to a virgin laid in a manger in Bethlehem to save His people from their sin. That is... The grace of God, which has appeared. 
His first advent is all about grace. And in simple terms, grace means God's unmerited favor to His people. Grace is everything for nothing to those who, not, who do not deserve anything. Grace is being given what we need and not what we deserve. Grace is God's act of favor whereby His greatest gift is given to those who have deserved the greatest punishment. Now, many of you have warm memories of Christmas and the Advent season because of children and parents and siblings and grandparents that have gathered during this time of year. Certainly, many of our memories include time with family and friends and brothers and sisters in Christ. And I'm so thankful that we continue to build those warm memories today and this week. For this week on Wednesday evening, we have the lighting of the Chrismon tree with dinner beforehand. I look forward to this night as I, as I have done for some 18 years of my ministry here at Rivermont. What a beautiful time of fellowship as we enjoy coming together for a meal in the fellowship hall and then move to the Cheatham Center to light the Chrismon tree with our family, including children of all ages. And then this week on Friday night, we also look forward to the joy of the first community Christmas tree lighting, which begins at 6.30 p.m. on the front lawn of the avenue. We look forward to this time of giving to our community, a time of fellowship and joy with each other and prayerfully with all of our neighbors. Now, for me personally, thinking of God's grace in the past, I remember multiple Christmas Eve dinners at my grandparents' farmhouse. You know, the fire blazes in their living room fireplace, multicolored Christmas lights the size of golf balls. You remember those old balls? Adorn the Christmas tree. My grandparents, my parents, my sister and her family, my nieces and their men, now their husbands, my aunt and my uncle and all my cousins and their families, we all came together on Christmas Eve for dinner, just like we did on many, many Sundays after church. But what was unique to Christmas Eve dinner was ribeye steaks cooked to perfection for every one of us. Started some back in 1950. My grandfather wanted my my mother and my father, they were the first ones to be married in the family, to make sure that they would come around on Christmas Eve. So they got ribeye steaks. And yet I realize now that the old farmhouse is gone, at least not in the family anymore. My grandparents, my parents, my aunt and uncle and two of my cousins have been called to heaven. The family is much more spread out. It's hard to get together, although we try as best we can. And I realize that as I look to the past, yes, I'm a little nostalgic. I'm a little sentimental. And yet, as I think about my past, there remains one abiding truth of each and every Christmas that will never change. The Advent season and Christmas do not depend upon family gatherings as wonderful or as challenging they may be. Rather, Advent and Christmas depend upon Jesus. The grace of God revealed to men. Advent depends upon the coming of God's grace and it being revealed to you and to me. This is what is key. Grace and the gospel turn our attention to the person of Jesus Christ. 
who alone provides the trustworthy foundation for confident hope. What this means, dear friends, is that apart from Jesus in our relationship with Him, we will look in every nook and cranny of religious experience to find something to satisfy our anxious souls. And yet over the years, I think many of us learn that earnest sinners desiring Christ's forgiveness and assurance of relationship to a holy God understand that in spite of all that we may attempt to do, nothing is adequate to remove the stain of sin and put the heart righteous in the face of the all-knowing and holy God except Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. For confident hope in Jesus. We look back to what Christ has done for us, for the forgiveness of sin and for our salvation. We rest for what God has done for us in the past. The good news that at just the right time, God broke into human history and revealed His grace to men. That He shed His blood for our forgiveness and wholeness and eternal life. We rest in Christ's past appearing for this redeemed life. And all of God's people say, Amen. Now moving to our second point. There is a question. How do we respond to such grace with confident hope and Jesus Christ today? Now. Well, Titus 2 verse 12 really suggests that we reflect Christ's presence renewal for a godly life. We respond by allowing allowing God's grace and power change us day by day by training us, look at what it says, to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright and godly lives in the present age. You know, if I'm honest... Sometimes I have wondered, how can I confidently hope in God and be about daily renewal for holy life when by nature I sometimes do not want to trust God or love God or I don't want to obey God? And the answer from Scripture is fairly straightforward. It's because of our new birth that we heard about this morning as we lit the Advent candle. According to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And then down to verse 23 of 1 Peter 1. Since you have been born again, not of imperishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and abiding Word of God. God, by His grace, overcomes my rebellion and your rebellion by giving us a new heart in Christ. A heart that by its very nature loves to hope in God. Today the advent of the Lord by His Word and Spirit changes our hearts by the Gospel applied to us by the Holy Spirit. The Spirit changes our hearts. The Spirit challenges us to review our lives, to rethink our lifestyle, our way of life in the here and now. We live our lives now to demonstrate the intimacy we have with our God and Savior. By the power of the Holy Spirit, which their family of God is gracious, 
We need to be about lives of contentment and commitment and dedication and devotion and surrender, whether in public or in private. In one word from our text, we learn to say no to all that is wrong. It is obvious that our world is following an ungodly path. Each year the world seems to be becoming more and more ungodly. God is pretty much left out of our cultural thinking today. He is no longer a vital part of government, it seems, for He still is God and one day He will change all this. He is no longer a vital part of society, at least from a human perspective. He has been ruled out of our schools in increasing measure. Yes, our world is becoming more and more ungodly. Yet, we shouldn't be surprised because the Bible often reflects that as the light of Jesus Christ shines forth, the darkness of the world often intensifies. We see this throughout the Gospel of John and into his epistles and into the book of Revelation. And as the world becomes more and more ungodly around us, we face the danger of becoming more and more in tune to worldly lusts and pleasures if we become lazy. And here, though, God's grace and confident hope, they teach us to say no to all that is ungodly, to, uh, to go against the grain, to be a Christian in an unchristian world. If you're going to stand up for Jesus in an ungodly world, you must dare to be different. Dare to say no to those things that are wrong. And yes to self-control. Yes to upright living. Yes to godly lives in the present age. And while the influence of the world is strong... Praise God that Christ, indwelling within our hearts by His Holy Spirit, is victorious. And the Spirit of the living God is transforming us day by day. By the grace of the Gospel, I want you to hear this. We also understand that we fall short at times. So we know what it is to receive His forgiveness when we seek Him in confession And repentance. We need His grace when we fall. And we need His grace to stand up again. But this is key. There is grace in obedience. As Christ blesses us with the desire to reflect His character to a world that is watching. We need to hear that and allow it to sink into our hearts and minds so that will not get caught off guard. Dear family, there's grace in obedience. So please wake up, be alert. As Paul tells us of the second coming of the Lord in 1 Thessalonians 5, you brothers and sisters, you are all children of the light and children of the day. You do not belong to the night or to the darkness. So be sober, putting on faith and love as a breastplate and the hope of salvation as a helmet. Oh, my dear friends, would you please join me again? All of God's people say, Amen. Because we know to rest in Christ's past appearing for redeemed life, we reflect Christ's present renewal for godly life. And finally, point three, we see in verses 13 and 14, we rejoice in Christ's future coming in glory for a resilient life. 
We anticipate the advent of the Lord's coming in the future in all of His glory with great excitement and devotion to our God and Savior who will return. For we are waiting for our blessed hope, verse 13, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ who gave Himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for Himself a people for His own possession who are zealous for good works. So what motivates us to live godly lives in in which we say yes to God and yes to being zealous for good works? Well, first, because God has sent Jesus Christ, the grace of God incarnate, who brings salvation to his people. Verse 11. Second, God's grace and hope teach us how to live godly lives. We are able to live for Him because of the new birth, giving us a heart to die to sin and to live for righteousness in Jesus. Verse 12. And thirdly now, we're to live with great dedication and excitement to Him, for we're looking forward to Christ's return. Verse 13. Waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. We embrace the hope of His return in glory in our future resurrection when He returns. And our lives are to reflect that hope to the world around us. You see, Jesus Christ lived and died and rose again with this one purpose in mind. To redeem us from all iniquity and to purify for Himself a people of His own for all of eternity. Our destiny is to be a people people pure and holy, set aside for God, living in His presence forever, including our future resurrection when He returns in glory in the forefront of our thinking and hope. This is what motivates us, dear family. By the grace of the Holy Spirit transforming our lives, the Word of God encouraging our devotion, we move forward with zealous will to do good things. We have this confident hope that the King of glory who will return is the very one who in the past, verse 14, gave Himself for us to redeem us from a lawless life and to purify for Himself a people for His own possession who are zealous for these good works. Jesus Christ, He came, He rose again, He has redeemed us, and He continues to purify us. He has set us free for Him. In redemption, we once were slaves on an auction block, enslaved to wickedness and to our enemy. And Christ came, God incarnate, to live a perfect life, to live a holy life. And He paid the ransom price of the debt that we owed. And through the shedding of His blood, Christ bought us and set us free to be His people. Through union with our Savior, we have become His people, a royal priesthood, His church. So we rejoice We are zealous. We're eager to do what is good. Christ has freed us to do what is right and wholesome and good in this world. To stand up for righteousness in the midst of overwhelming righteousness, unrighteousness. To be God's holy people. We rejoice 
as we prepare for His return by reflecting the wholeness, the contentment, and the joy that only Christ may bring today. And this reflection of Christ in our lives and in our rejoicing serve as a profound witness to a watching world. For the watching world is in desperate need of the wholeness, the contentment, and the joy that only Jesus can bring through His grace and His gospel in intimate relationship with Him. If we continue to focus our attention, and I mean if we keep dwelling upon the current state of the world affairs apart from Christ, or upon our investments or nest eggs, our savings accounts without regard to God's provision, if we keep focusing even on our health without the reality of our eternal destiny, dear family of God, we will remain distressed. But rather here we remember that Christ has told us that in this world you will have trouble. In this world there are no certain security matters of hope apart from God. And if you're laying up treasure in this world, Jesus tells us it will most likely rust or rot or waste away. Thieves may even break in and steal. The only thing that we will have forever is what Christ keeps secure in heaven by God Himself. Our confident hope is built Upon the coming King. So again we cry out. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to His great mercy. He has caused us to be born again to a living hope. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. To an inheritance that is imperishable. Undefined. Unfading. Remember what is what next? Kept in heaven for you. Who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Again, God's people say, Amen. In conclusion, we live and we proclaim Jesus Christ. For what a Savior He is. With vibrant relationship with Jesus Christ, He will bless you with confident hope that will endure. For first, Jesus comes as a little baby born in an obscure village and only a few people even aware of the event. But Jesus came in the past to die. He wore a crown of thorns to redeem us from our sin and to set us free. Today, here in the middle of waiting by the power of the Spirit, Christ comes and He renews our lives to reflect His, His grace and the freedom that He gives. We live to reflect His glory and His grace as shining stars to the world. To the world who needs to see His love lived out authentically in the lives of God's people. Our world needs to see the gospel rightly lived and then to hear the gospel rightly proclaimed. And when Jesus comes again in glory, angels will shout, trumpets will blow, every eye will see Him and every knee will bow before Him. He will be known as the King of kings and Lord of lords forever. So dear friends, receive the gospel found only in Christ. Look to Him for confident hope. 
Rest in your salvation that Christ and Christ alone freely gives. Reflect His renewing power as you are transformed from the inside out. Rejoice that Jesus is Savior and King and He will return in glory. And all of God's people say, Let us pray. Lord God, we long to be Christians who show your reigning grace in our lives by living sensibly, righteously, and godly in this fallen world. Calls us to be your purified people who live lives which reflect our Savior and King. Give us your grace and confident hope to desire it, to live by it, and to make us faithful witnesses to your glory and grace. Father, we pray that you would receive all the glory for all this is in yourself. This we ask in the precious name of Jesus Christ. Amen.